Hi, and welcome to Fido, an audio adventure into fantasy, folklore, and fairy tales. I'm John, your host, and thanks for dropping in. This week, I've got something short and sweet for you. We're heading back to Germany and the Brothers Grimm for this one. And depending on who you ask, this little fairy tale is either deep and full of symbolism and commentary, or it's a ridiculous tall tale meant to be more absurd and fun than anything else. If you want my opinion, I'd say it's probably a little of both. But in any case, today we have a little story called The Town Musicians of Bremen, about a foursome of odd companions setting out to seek fame and fortune together. As always, there's more after the story, so I'll meet you there. And now, as collected by the Brothers Grimm in Children's and Household Tales in 1819, and translated by Dr. D.L. Ashlyman in 2001, The Bremen Town Musicians. A man had a donkey who for long years had untiringly carried sacks to the mill, but whose strength was now failing, so that he was becoming less and less able to work. Then his master thought that he would no longer feed him, but the donkey noticed that it was not a good wind that was blowing, and ran away, setting forth on the road to Bremen, where he thought he could become a town musician. When he had gone a little way he found a hunting dog lying in the road, who was panting like one who had run himself tired. "'Why are you panting so, Grabhold?' asked the donkey. "'Oh,' said the dog, "'because I am old and am getting weaker every day and can no longer go hunting, my master wanted to kill me, so I ran off. But now how should I earn my bread?' "'Do you know what?' said the donkey. "'I am going to Bremen, and am going to become a town musician there. Come along and take up music, too. I'll play the lute, and you can beat the drums.' The dog was satisfied with that, and they went further. It didn't take long before they came to a cat, sitting by the side of the road, and making a face like three days of rainy weather. "'What has crossed you, old beard licker?' said the donkey. "'Oh,' answered the cat, "'who can be cheerful when his neck is at risk? I am getting on in years, and my teeth are getting dull, so I would rather sit behind the stove and purr than to chase around after mice.' Therefore my mistress wanted to drown me, but I took off. Now good advice is scarce. Where should I go? Come with us to Bremen. After all, you understand night music. You can become a town musician there. The cat agreed and went along. Then the three refugees came to a farmyard, and the rooster of the house was sitting on the gate crying with all his might. "'Your cries pierce one's marrow and bone,' said the donkey. "'What are you up to?' "'I just prophesied good weather,' said the rooster, "'because it is our dear lady's day "'when she washes the Christ child's shirts and wants to dry them. "'But because Sunday guests are coming tomorrow, "'the lady of the house has no mercy "'and told the cook that she wants to eat me tomorrow in the soup. "'So I am supposed to let them cut off my head this evening.' Now I am going to cry at the top of my voice as long as I can. Hey now, redhead, said the donkey. Instead, come away with us. We are going to Bremen. You can always find something better than death. 
You have a good voice, and when we make music together, it will be very pleasing. The rooster was happy with the proposal, and all four went off together. However, they could not reach the city of Bremen in one day, and in the evening they came to a forest where they would spend the night. The donkey and the dog lay down under a big tree, but the cat and the rooster took to the branches. The rooster flew right to the top, where it was safest for him. Before falling asleep, he looked around once again in all four directions, and he thought that he saw a little spark burning in the distance. He hollered to his companions that there must be a house not too far away, for a light was shining. The donkey said, "'Then we must get up and go there, because the lodging here is poor.' The dog said that he could do well with a few bones with a little meat on them. Thus they set forth toward the place where the light was, and they soon saw it glistening more brightly, and it became larger and larger until they came to the front of a brightly lit robber's house. The donkey, the largest of them, approached the window and looked in. "'What do you see, grey horse?' asked the rooster." "'What do I see?' answered the donkey. "'A table set with good things to eat and drink, "'and robbers sitting there, enjoying themselves.' "'That would be something for us,' said the rooster. "'Ea, ea, if we were there,' said the donkey. "'Then the animals discussed how they might drive the robbers away, "'and at last they came upon a plan. "'The donkey was to stand with his front feet on the window, "'the dog to jump on the donkey's back,' the cat to climb on to the dog, and finally the rooster would fly up and sit on the cat's head. When they had done that, at a signal, they began to make their music all together. The donkey brayed, the dog barked, the cat meowed, and the rooster crowed. Then they crashed through the window into the room, shattering the panes. The robbers jumped up at the terrible bellowing, thinking that a ghost was coming in, and fled in great fear out into the woods. Then the four companions seated themselves at the table and freely partook of the leftovers, eating as if they would get nothing more for four weeks. When the four minstrels were finished, they put out the light and looked for a place to sleep, each according to his nature and his desire. The donkey lay down on the manure pile, the dog behind the door, the cat on the hearth next to the warm ashes, and the rooster sat on the beam of the roof. Because they were tired from their long journey, they soon fell asleep. When midnight had passed and the robbers saw from a distance that the light was no longer burning in the house, and everything appeared to be quiet, the captain said, "'We shouldn't have let ourselves be chased off,' and he told one of them to go back and investigate the house. The one they sent found everything still, and went into the kitchen to strike a light." He mistook the cat's glowing, fiery eyes for live coals, and held a sulfur match next to them, so that it would catch fire. But the cat didn't think this was funny, and jumped into his face, spitting and scratching. He was terribly frightened and ran toward the back door, but the dog, who was lying there, jumped up and bit him in the leg. When he ran across the yard, past the manure pile, the donkey gave him a healthy blow with his hind foot, and the rooster, who had been awakened from his sleep by the noise and was now alert, cried down from the beam, "'Cock-a-doodle-doo!' Then the robber ran as fast as he could back to his captain and said, "'Oh, there is a horrible witch sitting in the house. She blew at me and scratched my face with her long fingers, and there's a man with a knife standing in the front of the door, and he stabbed me in the leg.' and a black monster is lying in the yard, and it struck me with a wooden club, and the judge is sitting up there on the roof, and he was calling out, 
Bring the rascal here. Then I did what I could to get away. From that time forth, the robbers did not dare go back into the house. However, the four Bremen musicians liked it so well there that they never left it again. And the person who just told that? His mouth is still warm. See? Short but sweet. Now, as I said, this story is either filled with commentary, or completely absurd, or likely a little of both. It seems as though this is one of those stories that begs for analysis and interpretation. On the surface, it's about four washed-up animals who decide to head off together to reinvent themselves. Along the way, they manage to scare the stuffing out of some robbers, and in the process, take ownership of a comfortable home in the woods. You can see how this would be a children's favorite, affording every opportunity for a storyteller to make animal noises and affect different voices, and generally pull out all the stops. A few times when I was younger, I had the opportunity to listen to some really great storytellers in places like the local library or around a campfire at summer camp, and this is one of those kinds of tales that they told. You know, it's something that I've always considered dabbling in, and maybe one of these days, when Fado is immensely popular and listened to by millions, I'll have to do live shows. I think for that, I would need to step up my game. Now, if we look a little deeper, we can definitely find some parts of this story that have meaning beyond a kind of silly tall tale. First of all, when we meet each of these animals, we find that they're all at an end of their usefulness for those that found them valuable before. They're aging and no longer able to do the things they used to do. They each talk about how they fear that soon they'll simply be disposed of because of their age and inability to contribute. If you think about it, this is characteristically, well, grim for the Brothers Grimm. Now, maybe this part of the story was meant to be overlooked by the children hearing the story, or maybe not. I mean, it's possible that this story was meant to draw attention to how easy it was to throw away old things when they seemed to have lost their usefulness. And this is a pretty heavy commentary, not only for the 1800s, but even now. What many people think, and I tend to agree with, is that this story has something to say about the elderly population, and that just because they've reached a point in their lives that they can't do all of the things that they may have done before, they still have something to contribute, and they should not be cast aside. In Europe in the 17 and 1800s, people started to live longer, and their mistreatment was a serious issue. And it still can be today, not just in Europe, of course, but anywhere. And so, in the Bremen Town Musicians, we get to see this lesson play out, as these aging animals deal with their change of status and privileges and even their impending deaths. But, masterfully, the story shows the reality of these ideas through the slightly removed lens of farm animals. And, after all, the fable, a story teaching a moral with animals as the characters, is a long-used and time-honored method. Now, beyond that, there's something to be said by this story about the power of teamwork. Each of these four animals may have been unable to do their jobs as they always had, but they were clearly effective as a team. 
I imagine that if I saw and heard that spectacle, I'd be apt to run away into the woods myself. The other thing I picked up on, and related to stories I've heard before, is the idea that making assumptions about your situation often leads to a far worse conclusion than the actual truth. When the robber is attacked by a group of startled animals, he assumes the worst. Witches and monsters and judges and a knife-wielding madman. He and his companions buy into the terror and never return. When all along it was our heroes. It reminds me of another tale you might have heard as well called The Blind Men and the Elephant. I believe it's Indian in origin, but it usually involves some number of blind men who hear that there is an elephant in town. They want to know what it's like because they've never seen one, obviously, but they agree to venture out and find the elephant by touch. Let's say in our version there are three blind men. The first man touches the elephant's trunk and says, The elephant is like an enormous snake. The second man disagrees, having his hand on the elephant's leg, and exclaims that the elephant is no snake, but clearly he is like a tree. And the last man, feeling the elephant's tusk, says, You're both wrong. This elephant is nothing like that, but is like a sharpened spear. Depending on who is telling it, there may be a fight that ensues, or the men actually may learn a valuable lesson about taking in the entire picture before assuming one thing or another. And in a similar way, our terrified robber makes a lot of assumptions that lead him down an entirely wrong path. As I said, I think probably the Bremen Town Musicians has a lot to say, if you're looking, but certainly has the charm and absurdity to entertain the kids as well. Now, if you're having fun listening to Fido, you should definitely subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. I'm on Apple, Google, and Spotify, and now Amazon. Don't forget to share and leave a review if you like what you're hearing. If you leave me comments or questions, I might even be able to read them on the air. You can also keep up and follow me on Facebook as well as Instagram. I'm at Fado Podcast. If you want to support me more directly, you can become a patron. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. There will be behind-the-scenes content, early access to upcoming episodes, and also merch. I have stickers already, and if you become a patron, I can guarantee you one in your membership letter. That's right, I'll send you a personally handwritten note in the mail with a sticker. Also, if you join, you'll get a mention here on the show. That brings us to the end of episode 19. Look for episode 20 coming out on October 4th. It's the first week of spooky season and the first chapter of The Call of Cthulhu by H.P. Lovecraft. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you once upon a next time.